So I too was looking at the parsha, and then I kind of thought about all of the book of Exodus, and I was thinking that, you know, there was unity at some times in, in the book of Exodus, uh, but there were a lot of times, as Yossi talked about, that things came up and that unity was broken. And uh, the people murmured and they took sides and, and I know that couldn't happen to us. But, but, but it happened to them and so we'll talk about them rather than us. But, you know, I started thinking about unity and I say, well, who are we to be in unity with? We're to be uni in unity with all the people. We're to be in unity with leadership. We're to be in unity with God. And, and that's a very hard concept to even understand. But that's as, as um, who was it? Uh, I guess it was, who, who talked about John 17? Uh, Terry, yeah. I, I, okay. Yes, as Terry said, and, and we see John 17, 20 and 21. I pray not on behalf of these only, but also for those who believe in me through their message, that they all may be one. That's Yeshua's prayer for us. So it's got to be important if that's what he's praying to the Father about. Just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, so also may they be one in us. And I don't think we can be one in them, meaning God, unless we are first one together here. Because when we are not in unity, that's basically sin. And so we know that sin separates us from God. So we've got to really put unity fairly high up on our chart, so to speak, of, of our, our goals, the things we want to do. We are not partakers in the miracle of God's oneness, but we are partakers in the miracle of you and I being one, because it depends on you and I. And that's where the unity comes from, where you and I both seek to come together. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be the same. It doesn't mean we're going to believe everything the same. It doesn't, there's a lot... There's going to be lots of diversity. But the power of Yeshua to make us one is what we're looking for. And when we focus on him, we can be one. Now, I'll tell you, in order to be in unity, you have to love. And I don't believe that the word love pretty much means anything anymore because we use it so frequently. But this is unconditional love that God is calling for. And I don't, I'm not even sure that we understand the word unity, but there is a word that we do understand, and that's the word I want to talk about today, and that is sacrifice. Sacrifice is when you give up something that is important to you. But you just have a reason for giving that up. And, and I believe when we sacrifice... We are showing our love, and we are on our way to unity. And 
If you think of God's concept of sacrifice, he gives us a free gift, and then it requires death of the giver. And from that, he has, there's blood. It brings, the blood brings us life, and it brings atonement. No wonder why people are so confused in the world. They can't understand this. It's hard for me to understand this. That, that I get this free gift because Yeshua died and it's his blood that brings me life and atonement. That's hard to understand. But it doesn't matter whether I really understand it. It's got to be my belief. It has to be... In, in me, I have to understand, I have to believe it. I, I, you know, there are just some things we grow up in, and it's hard to, to understand certain things because we don't have a, a frame of reference for it. So in Genesis 3, we read about Adam and Eve and how they sinned, and Adam and Eve tried to cover their guilt from God. However, <laughs> by hiding. I mean, that, that's pretty ridiculous, don't you think? And, and it's true, man-made solutions to guilt and sin don't work. They just don't work. And so God takes this animal because he wanted, he wanted a relationship with these two, and so he gives us the foundation of how to build that relationship. He kills the animal in Genesis 3.21. Adonai Elohim made Adam and his wife tunics or garments, we probably should use the word garments, of skin, and he clothed them. So this was the first sacrifice and because of that sacrifice, even though Adam and Eve were punished, God brought them back into fellowship. And yes, they were punished, but they still now had once again fellowship with God. And throughout scriptures, garments, when you see the word garments, you, you want to make sure you, you see the context of it because it's often symbols of righteousness. Either God's all-sufficient righteousness or our self-made righteousness. But as an example, Isaiah 61.10, I just love this scripture. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will joyfully, well, I, I know a different translation. At any rate, my soul will be joyful in my God for he hath clothed me with garments of salvation. So it's, it's what God has done with us. He's, he's closed us with righteousness in our salvation. He's wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom wearing a priestly turban, like a bride adorning herself with her jewels. We see it in Isaiah 64, 6, Job 29, 14, plenty of other places. Now, God did it all. He did it all. Adam and Eve received God's grace even though they did not deserve it and they did not repent. To the best of my knowledge, didn't repent. But God set the foundation for the principle of animal sacrifice and we know that when Yeshua went through his sacrifice, that was the final sacrifice, and so it was his blood that gives us atonement. Even when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, who provided the ram? God provided the ram. 
And so this is how God wants us to see this. God wants us to be willing to sacrifice. That's a second foundational understanding of the word sacrifice. You and I have to be willing. Sacrifice is, is not love when we do it because we have to. Sacrifice is love when we do it out of our willing spirit. And so it shows our faith and our trust in the Lord. It shows our love. I don't think unity will be achieved without loving unconditionally. There are too many things that can separate you and I. So we just have to be resigned to the fact that our job is to love everybody unconditionally, even those people who we don't like how they behaved, we don't like this, we don't like that. God sacrificed, allowed Yeshua to be sacrificed to show us unconditional love. This is what it means. Undeserved. Using Yeshua as our model, that's what we're supposed to do. We can sacrifice to display our love. Now, what can we sacrifice, though? We're, we're not going to die. We're, we're not going to kill ourselves. We're not going to have other people kill us. So what is it that you can sacrifice? What is it? What's your most important possession? So I thought about this for a while, and I came up with, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's a pretty important one. You have to sacrifice your rights, your freedom, your rights and your freedom. So um, Mark 10, 45, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeshua gave up his right to continue to live. What right is God asking us to give up? Well, in Galatians 5.13, brothers and sisters, you're called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So when you get a, a verse like this, and you, oh, you can concentrate on the last five words, through love serve one another, that's fine. But I want you to concentrate on the fact that you're not supposed to use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. Because that is talking about, well, you have been given freedom and now you are disliking people and not treating them, them well. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. When we treat people poorly, that's our flesh. And so what God is saying, I've given you freedom, but I expect you to use it to keep the commandments, to love God, love your neighbor. That's what I expect out of this. So our sacrifice is willingly, joyfully to serve one another because it comes out of the love. Now, let me just mention from a practical point of view, what does that look like at Shoresh David? Number one, we come to services. Okay, that's great. We say Shabbat Shalom to everybody. We have three minutes of walking around, smiling, hugging, saying something quickly. But that is not enough. That does not bring us into unity. So what are some of the things that can bring us into unity? One of the things that can bring us into unity is serving here. 
meaning to work in the kitchen, to be a greeter, to be an usher, to do the sound and the PowerPoint and, and to do the music. And every time you are working with somebody else, you are coming closer to unity. And you have to navigate their irritable things and they have to narrow navigate your irritable things but when it comes down to it you do it you you figure out how to make it work and that is the beginning of unity you begin to know people you begin to it's not just the shabbat shalom thing now you can talk about more because you understand more about their life you know who they are so serving is really important for this unity Another thing is congregational outings. Now, because of COVID, we haven't had many of those recently, but uh, we're, we're starting again. It's not going to be February. Yes, Donna, wherever you are, we change it to March. But at any rate, we are doing our celebration of love, which we haven't done for a few years, where we're getting the congregations to come together. We'll come, go to a park, we'll grill, we'll do whatever, you know, we'll have games, we'll, we'll just have a great time together. And so that's coming up in March. We'll give you the date probably next week and uh, when we know exactly where we're going to be and so on. But that kind of thing, I mean, years ago, I mean, if we have enough volunteers, enough people who are excited about it, we used to do, um, we used to do uh, a celebration of Israel, and, and we had thousands, literally, of people coming to our events. We, but you know how much work we did to get that together. And when you work together with people, you develop a relationship. If you're expecting to walk in here, sit on the seat, and, and have a relationship of unity, it's not going to happen because... It, it, it's just going to be hard to get to know people. The last thing I would want to tell you about is our high groups. There are very few of you. I, I don't think we have more than uh, 40 people involved in high groups, which is a one hour. Right now it's on Zoom. It doesn't have to be on Zoom. It can be at somebody's house. But we need to get to know one another. We need to pray with each other. We need to uh, look at God's word together. We need to, um, you know, this is so important to these high groups. We have one Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, we'd like you to join one of them. There's a sign-up sheet. Um, we'll call you and you can tell us what time, what's the best. If, if they get too crowded, we'll start making more groups, but we want people to be community. We want people to be family. We want people to have unity. So what does unity look like? Well, okay, this is going to be tough. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. First of all, God says we're his chosen people and holy and dearly loved as it says in Colossians, and then it says, clothe yourselves, are you ready? In tender compassion. <laughs> I mean, we haven't gotten to the second one yet. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and of course, the one that I hate the most, 
patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord pardoned you, so also you must pardon others. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Now, if love is the bond of perfect harmony, and those of you who know uh, musical instruments, especially the piano, because it's easier to see, there are these different keys and chords. So let's say if you're playing a C chord, you have C, E, G. If you're real good, you add some color into those chords, but they sound good together. And they are diverse. They're different notes. And that's what harmony is. When you, when you have different notes, they're sounding differently, but they're all together. That's the unity that God wants us to have. So this is, this is a sacrifice because the scriptures goes against our very upbringing and our culture, for sure. Every time we watch TV, it's, it's talking about disunity. It's talking about anger. It's talking about uh, people are not being kind. They're not being gentle. They're not being compassionate. Uh, they, they talk about, uh, they want other people to be compassionate. But they're not compassionate. I, I mean, this goes against everything we, we see in life. So... That's why we need God's word so deep in us so that we can overcome the culture which is dragging us into secularism. Hallelujah. No, that's not a hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, I understood the concept. <laughs> when, when, so, when someone hurts and humiliates us, we want to return the same to them. We want the truth to be made known about what they did. We want everybody to know. Do you know what this person did? I'm going to tell you. We don't feel that they should get away with anything that they did. Oh, what a shanda, what a shame it would be if they got away with whatever it is. We want to care and we want them to care. We want the people we're talking to to care about us and be remorseful about the, 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 the hurt that they've caused or how they've acted poorly. And when a family member is in sin or comes against us, this is the most difficult. Most difficult. So this unconditional love requires sacrifice. There's no way that we can love the way God wants us to love without sacrifice. And so we have to sacrifice the very rights that we internally feel we have. Because when somebody does those things to us, we have a response to them. And it isn't pretty. But we think it'll be effective. And yet, that has nothing to do with unconditional love. We give up our right to be impatient. We give up our right to be upset and angry. We give up our right to require fairness. We give up our right to be revenge, to give revenge. 
We give up our right to try and force people, to convince people, to change, to what, do what, what we want them to do. We, if somebody repents because you've forced them to repent, you've put so much pressure on them, it's not from the heart anyway. And if it's not from the heart, it's not repentance. So they have to, we can tell them what happened, we can tell them what was wrong, but we need to allow them, God, to work in their life. Look, it seems ridiculous to have all these rights taken away from us until we look at Scripture and see what God's heart is for us. There's so many Scriptures that I would love to share with you, but we don't have time for all of them. But I want, before we get to the Scriptures, just consider your behavior and your reaction to others as your sacrifice of love to God. If I'm going to define a sacrifice of love to God, it is that we have taken our behavior and our reactions and we are doing it the way God wants us to do it. That is a sacrifice of love. And we are sacrificing. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. We are sacrificing. Proverbs 19.13, uh, prudence, um, I'm not uh, crazy about the word prudence, so man's discretion or good sense uh, makes one slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook an offense. Such a difficult scripture, so simple but so difficult, that you get glory when you overlook an offense. Well, that's a while, but listen to James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters. Let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Well, how many times... Okay, they, they just needed to hear this. It was the truth... They just need to hear the truth. It doesn't matter how I say it. Well, that's not what God says. As we look at this verse, human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Well, what about Yeshua? Didn't he overturn the tables? Last time I checked, even though Yeshua came as a man, he's still God. And if you're going to compare yourself with Yeshua, let's do it in love, obedience, and sacrifice. And then we can talk about the anger part. Concerning fairness, we sacrifice our insistence that we are right in order to be right before God. When you have an issue with someone, you sacrifice your emotional outrage and seek to do things God's way. So let's look at Matthew 18, 15, and 16. It says, Brothers sins, uh, if a brother sins against you, go and show him his fault while you're with him alone. Underline the word. Alone. Thank you. Alone. <laughs> Absolutely. If, if somebody comes to you after service and you're seen red after whatever they've said or done... 
let's go outside. Let's, let's take this outside. Alone. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen, you take two or three, and, and you, by every witness... Every word may stand. Now, then later on, I didn't put this in the scripture there, but it talks about even going to the community. But the key thing here is to talk to them alone. Don't talk to me about them. Don't talk to anybody else here about them. First, talk to them. <laughs> because, I don't know if you've... Well, I remember a couple of weeks ago, somebody was telling me something uh, here in the congregation, and they said something, and I thought, oh, oh boy, that's, that really, how am I going to deal with this? This is really an issue. And, but I just said, okay, well, let it go. And then later on, I found out that they had misunderstood the person's name, and it was about somebody different, and it had no negative ramifications. And had I jumped in when I wanted to jump in, I, at the very least, I would have been a fool. At the very, I, I mean, I could have also gotten them irritated. So we've, we've got to learn this. We've got to learn this. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers up all covers up all transgressions. So what's the word that you want to underline? All. Well, does that mean? Yeah, yeah it means that one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, come on. I know I have Bible scholars in here. What does the word all mean? <laughs> all. You mean like some? No. It means all, everyone. So look, if that's what it means, live with it. So when we are not using love to cover the sins of others, we are sinning. Overlooking an offense does not mean we ignore justice. It doesn't mean we pretend that evil does not exist. It means we're willing to forgive. We're not going to hold grudges. We uh, refuse to continue to talk about people or situations negatively unless it's a specific situation where you expect a good outcome. As an example, if you went to, um, if you went to McBeal privately, of course, in his, in his practice, and you said, I need to talk to you about something, and I need help to work through this, then he'll give you his professional help, and he will help you through it. So obviously you have to tell the story. But the story doesn't need to be told to anybody else. And so it means also another thing, and some of you know this, if, if you know I've asked you, to stop talking when I refuse to listen to stuff about other people. You know, we just have to stop that because that kills unity. It kills unity. It means that there are situations when we need a quick response, we have to show patience even if we're trying to stop whatever is going on. 
Overlooking an offense seems impossible, but God's spirit, God's ruach, offers us the power to forgive wrongs and to behave correctly. Look, our cry should be Matthew 6, 12, forgive our debts as we forgive uh, those who have, uh, you know, sinned against us or our debtors. We forgive because we're forgiven. In Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, get rid of the bitterness and rage and anger and quarreling and slander along with all malice. Instead, be, again, here we go, compassionate, forgiving each other just as God has also uh, forgave you. Our behavior must be one where people see God has called us. We're his servant. In fact, Paul says he's a prisoner. He's a prisoner, not in a prison. Listen, Ephesians 4.1, Therefore I, a prisoner for the Lord. Now, the word for indicates that he is a servant prisoner. So in other words, for the Lord means I do his will. And I'm a prisoner, which means I don't have any choice to the matter. So, therefore, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called with complete humility and gentleness, with every patience, putting up with one another. I, that's what I feel sometimes when I'm asking, being asked to love. I have to put up with one another. But then it says in love. I just thought I had to put up with them. But, but it says in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Ruach in the bond of Shalom. God always puts the responsibility on me. When I read scripture, it's not talking usually about you. It's talking about me. And when you read scripture, it should be talking about you. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live in shalom with all people. God promises a great blessing. We heard the hine matovu menayim as our processional this year. Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head. So now we know often that oil is symbolic of the, the Spirit of God. And so picture the Spirit of God coming on Aaron's head and now his beard, and just dripping all over the rest of his body. That is what unity produces. Unity produces God's Spirit in a group like ours. Coming down on the, the collar of his robes, it's like the dew of Hermon. Coming down upon the mountains of Zion, again, the Spirit of God just coming down that mountain, coming to, to bless us. And it says, and there Adonai commanded a blessing, life forevermore. That's the importance of unity. That's the importance of sacrifice. Because you don't get to unity without sacrifice. You just don't. Unity comes as a result of the sacrifice of love. Unity comes as a result of the sacrifice of a humble spirit. Unity comes as a result of the sacrifice of forgiveness. Unity comes as a result of the sacrifice of not taking an offense. 
Unity comes as a result of the sacrifice of not speaking or listening to negative stuff about situations and other people. Unity comes when your love for God is greater than anything you have to sacrifice in order to become one as he is one. Father, I just pray, Lord, for that spirit of sacrifice in the name of Yeshua. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit that we would have unity, Lord, not because I say so, but because you want it. Lord, 2,000 years ago, you prayed for us to be one new man. You prayed for us to be in unity. You, Lord, and you know what, how difficult this is. You know what a sacrifice it is. We sacrifice our emotional rights in order to satisfy your commandment of love and unity. This is difficult, Lord. And so we're crying out to you this day for the power of your Spirit to be on us because without that, we are just going to be a clanging cymbal. And Lord, I pray that we will be at that point where we will see that love never fails. And so we ask, O oh Lord, for the power of your Spirit to just come upon us and, and meet us where we are so that we can be all that you want us to be and, and, and see not only our congregation transformed, but we will see the city transformed. We will see the state transformed. We will make a difference wherever we go, whatever we're asked to do, we will make a difference. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. And if there is somebody either here or in Facebook Live uh, who does not know Yeshua, you will not have that opportunity to have the power of God's Spirit to help you in this idea of unity, of God's unity. So you must receive Yeshua. And when you receive Yeshua, you get the power of God's Spirit at that time. And so... I'd like you to pray with me to receive Yeshua so that you can have that spirit within you and that you too can be part of a unifying process wherever you go. And so just say, Lord, I, I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. I, I want you, Yeshua, in my life. I am going to dedicate my life to you forever. I'm going to live for you. And I pray this in the name of Yeshua. And if you've done that from your heart, this simple just asking God to come in through Yeshua, you now are part of the kingdom and, and, and we want to help you in your walk. So please let us know that you've done this today, whether you're here or let us know by email or phone call. Call, call us or email us. Let us know. Father, we thank you and praise you for those who have been transformed this day. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory in the name of Yeshua.